Welcome to this episode of Sleep and Relax ASMR. This episode, we are doing part two of a brand new series called Animal Exploration. If you did not join us for part one, there's no need to listen to this in sequential order, so feel free to listen to this anyway. Animal Exploration is a series where we uh, learn about animals in alphabetical order. I give my um, uneducated opinion. I provide some facts as uh, presented to me by sources that I am trusting, um, but uh, it's not like I've verified them or cross-referenced them. But uh, at the end of the day, it's either for those who want to learn something, you can learn something while falling asleep. For others, it will be so boring to learn about ants and albatrosses and aardvarks and you'll just want to fall right asleep because you're so bored so win-win so part two we will begin with albatross so let's jump into it part two animal exploration we are still on animals and begin with letter a so the albatross the albatross to me looks like a uh, seagull with uh, more normal proportions you know a kind of larger head, larger beak, doesn't have, you know, it's kind of like a, um, almost like a large duck head on the body of a um, quail, I don't know. I told you I wasn't very educated on this. The albatross is a large species of seabird found throughout the southern Pacific and even into the colder Antarctic regions. There are 21 different species of albatross found across the southern seas, but sadly, 19 of the different albatross species are said to be threatened with extinction Extinction today. The albatross is closely related to other seabirds, including petrels, which are all unique among birds due to the tubular nostrils tubular, on either side on the top of their bill, meaning these birds are often referred to as tube noses. They didn't ask for permission. They didn't. Did you let, did you ask him if you could, sounds like a bullying name, a tube nose. Sounds like the kind of insult thrown on a uh, 1996, like Nickelodeon uh, show about middle schoolers, like Hey Arnold or something. The albatross was first brought into the public spotlight with Coleridge's 1798 poem, The Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner, so... The albatross has been uh, around the block for quite a while. The albatross is one of the largest birds in the skies, as wingspan, wingspan, almost like a tongue twister, of the male wandering albatross can easily reach three and a half meters or more in length, meaning that it has the largest wingspan of any bird. The wandering albatross also has a body that is more than one meter long including a tail, with the size of other species generally being slightly smaller. The albatross is an easily identifiable bird with long, narrow wings, a large head, and a long, strong bill, which is hooked at the end and has sharp blades on either side to handle slippery prey. All 21 different species of albatross are mainly distributed throughout the southern Pacific, with some species found far into the southern ocean. Although the albatross is not found in the northern parts of the Atlantic, 
a number of species uh, have been found in the North Pacific, with the wading albatross being the highest up, with its nesting sites found on the Galapagos Islands. The albatross is unique among many birds, as it is airbound for the majority of its life. Albatrosses spend their entire lives gliding above the waves and are known to fly thousands of miles in a very short space of time. During the breeding season, the albatross finally returns to dry land, where they nest in large colonies on the cliffs of remote rocky islands that are generally inside the Antarctic tundra. have a couple more interesting facts and features. The site that I'm using, that's what they call it at least, interesting facts and features. You can email me and tell me how interesting you find these facts and features. Um, let's see. The albatross was made famous by Samuel Taylor Coleridge's poem at the end of the 1700s. Already mentioned that earlier, but which indicated that these enormous seabirds embody the souls of drowned sailors. This led to a great deal of superstition surrounding the hunting of the albatross, as it was thought to be very bad luck amongst seafarers. I recently watched a film titled The Lighthouse with Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe. And uh, I enjoyed it. And I enjoy it more when I started reflecting on it later. In the moment, I was kind of taken aback because it's a pretty strange film. I think the vast majority of, like if you're looking for a, a fun movie, let's say, it's, it's, you know, it's not an Avengers movie. You know, it's pretty different. It makes you think, makes a lot of references to, to maybe, um, you know, different uh, uh, lore and uh, myths. And um, anyway, one of the uh, key components of the movie, one of the kind of major conflict points was um, Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson's character. They're lighthouse keepers, and it's only them two on a very small island. And uh, the birds are kind of harassing Robert Pattinson, and Willem Dafoe says, you know, you can't harm the birds because of exactly what I just read it regarding the albatross. In the uh, film, I don't think it was an albatross, or I don't think it was a flock of albatross that were harassing Robert Pattinson. So I wonder if this um, superstition goes beyond just the albatross. If, you know, you're kind of a seafaring, you know, if you're a lighthouse keeper, if any bird is pretty much sacred or superstitious in that sense so just uh, throwing it out there anyway moving along we have the Aldabra giant tortoise the Aldabra giant tortoise is a giant species of tortoise native to the Aldabra islands in the Indian Ocean the Aldabra giant tortoise is one of the largest species of tortoise on the planet and is also one of the world's longest living animals, with one Aldabra giant tortoise individual reaching the grand old age of 255 years old. 
kind of stuttered or had to take a pause because I couldn't believe that I was about to read out that a living creature you know it's not like a bacteria or something like that could live to be 255 years old the Aldabra giant tortoise is the only Indian Ocean giant tortoise species alive today as others have now become extinct with the arrival of human settlers the Aldabra giant tortoise and the Se I'm not sure how to say this Seychelles giant tortoise are so similar in both appearance and behavior that they are actually thought by some to be the same species. The Aldabra giant tortoise has an enormous dome-shaped shell which acts as protective armor to the soft, vulnerable body underneath. The Aldabra tortoise, giant tortoise also has an incredibly long neck which it uses to tar leaves from the branches higher up trees. The male Aldabra giant tortoise grows to an average size of 1.1 meters long with females being smaller at a length of 0.9. The males, although not really that much bigger, are also known to weigh nearly 100 kilograms more than their female counterparts. So despite the fact that they are not much longer, they are certainly much heavier. The Aldabra giant tortoise is primarily found inhabiting grasslands and swamps on the islands of the Aldabra Aldabra Atoll, an island of coral that encircles a lagoon partially or completely, which forms part of the Seychelles Island chain in the Indian Ocean. They once shared these islands with a number of other giant tortoise species, but many of these were hunted to extinction in the 1700s and 1800s. Aldabra giant tortoises are found both individually and in herds which tend to gather mostly on open grasslands. The Aldabra giant tortoise is generally most active in the mornings when they spend the most time browsing for food before the temperature gets too high. So they're kind of like, um, like grandparents. You know, my uh, grandfather now has gotten to the habit of waking up at 6 o'clock in the morning and uh, my grandmother was telling me this the other day I wake up at 6 o'clock in the morning and then just kind of stare at her until because he doesn't want to wake her up he feels bad but he'll want to get everything done between 5 or 6 to like 9 o'clock in the morning and then the rest of the day he says it's too hot or it's too busy it's too whatever so Aldabra giant tortoise, very similar to my grandfather in that sense. The Aldabra giant tortoise has now had four scientific names to date, mainly due to the fact that there are ongoing arguments about their similarity to other large Indian Ocean tortoise species, including the possibly extinct Seychelles giant tortoise. Despite population numbers having dropped through hunting, habitat loss and the introduction of new predators, one of the biggest threats to Aldabra, Aldabra giant tortoise is the rising sea level caused by climate change. There you go. Up next we move to the alligator. The 
Alligators are in the same family as other large reptiles like crocodiles, but are native to only two countries, which are the southern USA and China, where the alligator is now nearly extinct. Alligators tend to be smaller than their crocodile cousins, but have been known to move at speeds up to 15 miles per hour on land, making them one of the fastest large reptiles in the world. Despite their size, uh, there are a number of distinct differences between alligators and crocodiles, as an alligator's snout is shorter than that of a crocodile, and with their mouth shut, an alligator's teeth cannot be seen, but a crocodile's can. So there you go, that's a quick way of knowing whether you're looking at a crocodile or an alligator. Alligators are very large reptiles, with males growing up to four and a half meters in length. The female alligators tend to be slightly smaller, with a total body and tail length of between three and three and a half meters. The Chinese alligator is a much smaller species, almost half the size of a female American alligator. The tail of the alligator is incredibly muscular and is used to propel the animal when it is in the water. Alligators have short, stocky legs with webbing between their toes. This not only helps them when they are swimming, but also means that they can negotiate the muddy river banks with ease. Alligator interesting facts and features. Alligator DNA is thought to date back to even before dinosaur times, meaning that the alligators survived whatever it was the dinosaurs didn't, with the scientific estimates first dating the species 150 million years ago. The Chinese alligator is currently found only in the Yangtze River Valley, and the Chinese alligator is now extremely endangered, with less than 100 Chinese alligators believed to be left in the wild. There are actually many more Chinese alligators that live in zoos around the world that can be found in the wild today. Up next we have a type of dog called the Alpine Dachsbrock. <laughs> I'm not quite sure how to pronounce it. Dash, Dachsbrock. Dachsbrock. Alpine Dachsbrock. The Alpine Dashbrack is a stocky and robust breed of scenthound originally created in the mountains of Austria during the mid-19th century. Bred by mixing the larger indigenous Austrian hounds with the short-legged Dachshund of Germany, the Alpine hunters were able to create a breed that could not only be used for tracking animals, but one that was also placid enough to bring the wounded animal back to their master without causing it any further harm. The Alpine Dashbrake was officially recognized as the world's third Sennheim breed in Austria in 1932, and it is still more commonly kept by hunters and gamekeepers than as a family pet. The Alpine Dashbrake is larger than many of its closest relatives, mainly due to the fact that this breed was bred to be able to endure the high altitudes of the Austrian Alps. As in many other countries at the time, Scenthounds that were short-legged were being created so that they would be able to track prey more closely. The Alpine Dashbrake has a long and robust body, carried by short, stocky legs, which makes the breed fairly slow-moving. They are usually 
red, brown, or black in color, and tend to lack any really distinguishable markings. The Alpine Dashback has a double coat of fur to help keep it warm in the cold mountains. This is, comp this is comprised of a thick, water-resistant top coat with a warm and soft undercoat, which both help to keep the dog's body warm. The Alpine Dashback is known for its stamina, endurance, and power. Um, although it's not particularly fast, their short and elongated body is very muscular and allows the Alpine Dashback to follow a scent trail for long periods of time. They are not particularly aggressive dogs, and so will retrieve the master's kill without causing it any further wound or indeed eating it, which has made them an increasingly popular companion to hunters today. There you go. Up next we have the American Bulldog. Although the exact origins of the American Bulldog are still not quite clear, they are most commonly thought to have derived from the English Bulldogs that arrived in North America with European colonists. Despite there being a great variety within the breed today, the American Bulldog is thought to be the most typical example of the original English Bulldogs of the 17th and 18th centuries. The American Bulldog is a large and powerful breed of dog belonging to the Mastiff family. They share many of their characteristics with other Mastiff breeds, including their small, half-pricked, pendant-shaped ears and their square, broad head. The American Bulldog is a bigger, faster, and more agile uh, breed than the English Bulldog and has such powerful hind legs that they are able to jump up to six feet high. The American Bulldog has short, coarse fur that can be found in a variety of colors, but most notably white and brindle. I'm not sure what brindle is. Despite being widely distributed and popular breeds today, the American Bulldog was on the verge of becoming extinct toward the mid-1900s. On returning from service in the Second World War, John Johnson decided to follow in his father's footsteps and resume the breeding of the American Bulldog in the USA, and ultimately saved the breed from disappearing forever. The American Bulldog was first recognized as an official breed in 1970 when it was registered as the American Pit Bulldog. However, the name of this domestic breed was soon changed to the American Bulldog to avoid confusion with the American Pit Bull Terrier, to which the breed can look quite similar and the two can often be confused. There you go. I know someone that has an American bulldog that people oftentimes think might be a pit bull. And now I'm trying to see what we have next. Okay. Up next we have the American Eskimo dog. Cute, fluffy, white puppy is the picture that they included here. The American Eskimo Dog is a small to medium breed of domestic dog that, despite its name, is actually native to Germany. With European settlers 
when European sellers came, oh, excuse me, no, it was with, with European sellers came white versions of the German Spitz. But after the First World War, its name had to be changed to avoid negative feelings towards the country at the time. Until recently, the German Spitz and the American Eskimo Dog were recognized as being the same breed, but they have now been registered separately as these are actual as there are actual subtle differences between the two. Three different types of American Eskimo dogs are bred today, which are the toy, miniature, and standard versions. Although they differ in size, they are almost identical in both appearance and temperament. The American Eskimo dog is a small and compact domestic breed with a square body and a wedge-shaped head. They have small pointed ears that are almost always erect and a generally black nose with brown eyes. One of the most distinctive features of the American Eskimo dog is its beautiful snow white coat, which is quite long in places. That's what they put there. The American Eskimo dog has a thick double coat of fur, which consists of a soft, dense undercoat with longer coarse hairs forming the outer layer. Despite its name, the American Eskimo dog is thought to have absolutely no connection to Eskimo and Inuit dogs whatsoever. In 1913, they were named, they were renamed as the American Eskimo to avoid discrimination toward the breed because of their German origins. Very interesting. Up next, and I think we have at least a couple more here, um, is the anglefish. So we move away from the dog breeds and onto the anglefish. There are around 100 different species of anglefish that inhabit the waters of the summer southern hemisphere. There are two main types of anglefish, those that live in the freshwater rivers in South America, freshwater anglefish, and those anglefish that inhabit the salty ocean waters, which are marine anglefish. The freshwater anglefish has a more triangular shape and will generally generally only grow to a few inches in length. The marine anglefish can grow up to 12 inches at same length as a big ruler. The same length as a big ruler. That's what they put. Yes, I'm pretty sure most people are aware that rulers are typically they're 6 or 12 inches long. Both the freshwater anglefish and the marine anglefish are known to be relatively difficult fish to keep in household aquariums as both types of anglefish require very specific water conditions. Anglefish are very susceptible to changes in the water, such as salt levels and pH levels, and will often die if changes are too drastic. Despite the fact that their names are the same, freshwater anglefish and marine anglefish are not thought to be closely related. The freshwater anglefish is a tropical species of cichlid, cichlid, Cichlid. Cichlid, I'm pretty sure it is. Cichlid. Cichlid. I think it's cichlid. Distantly related to the cichlids found in specific lakes in Africa. The marine anglefish are believed to be most closely related to the butterfly fish. Freshwater anglefish are native to the Amazon basin and are found along, are found in the rivers running off of it. 
freshwater anglefish inhabit the cleaner waters and prefer to be in temperatures between 25 and 30 degrees centigrade. Try to see, because now they're getting. Marine anglefish are generally found in shallow reefs in depths up to 50 meters. Marine anglefish are reported to be almost fearless and are noted to be inquisitive and curious toward divers. Some species of marine anglefish are solitary by nature, where other species of anglefish form territorial mating partners or even groups. Up next, we had the ant, but I'm not going to do the ant uh, because I sadly forgot to copy paste. So I know that you were desperate for some ant information, but um, we're going to move on to the ant eater. Ant eaters are found throughout the southern hemisphere, but are more common in Africa, Asia, and parts of Australia. The name ant eater is given to any medium-sized insect-eating mammal such as the giant anteater, the collared anteater, the silky anteater, the spiny anteater, and the echidna, which is native to Australia. The average anteater is nearly a meter in length, although some species can be bigger, like the giant anteater that goes, that gets to nearly two meters long, huge where others can be smaller, like the silky anteater that only grows to around 30 centimeters. The giant anteater is found in parts of Central and South America, where it inhabits grasslands, forests, jungles, and even the lower mountain regions. The giant anteater is known to be able to consume more than 30,000 insects, mainly termites, every single day. Despite their soft appearance, anteaters are more than ready to defend themselves against predators and have been known to become very aggressive towards them. Anteaters primarily use their powerful legs and long claws to warn off larger animals, including cougars, jaguars, and even humans. Female anteaters give birth to a single baby after a gestation period of around six months. The baby anteaters spend their first couple of years with their mother and usually become independent when she is pregnant again. In order to remain safe from waiting predators on the ground, baby anteaters spend much of their nursing period clinging, clinging to the back of their mother. It's cute. It's like something you'd see in uh, Planet Earth or whatever the name of that documentary narrated by David Attenborough is. Up next, we have the antelope. The antelope is a deer-like mammal found in Africa, Asia, and parts of the Americas. There are many different species of antelope, including the tiny royal antelope that stands at the height of a rabbit. Go figure. Unlike deer that renew their horns annually, the antelope has strong permanent horns that antelope mainly use to defend their herd or to fight other antelopes. An antelope tends to get be, gets tends to get to between eight and ten years old, 
in the wild, although they have been known to live for longer when kept in captivity. The antelope is one of the many medium-sized mammals holding the African food chain together. The antelope may only graze on grasses, but it is a stable food source for many of Africa's large carnivorous predators such as lions, hyenas, and crocodiles. Antelope display different defensive behaviors based on their size, habitat, number, and species. The smaller solitary antelope tend to live in dense forested areas, and these species of antelope defend themselves by hiding. The duker antelopes get their name from the species' ability to dive into the vegetation. Gazelle-sized antelopes run and leap, and some species of antelope exhibit their unique behavior of pronking or strutting. So, that was the antelope. Up next we have the Appenzeller dog. The Appenzeller dog is a herding dog by nature, and therefore Appenzellers always require something to do. In a farm environment, they might nip at the sheep or cattle to herd them. Without sufficient exercise, they could become restless, so plenty of toys, space, exercise, and attention should be provided. The Appenzeller dog is part of the Senenhund family of dogs that include the greater Swiss mountain dog, the Bernese mountain dog, the Appenzeller, and the Entelbucher Mountain Entelbucher. I'm not sure if I said that right. All of which are similar in color and temperament, but vary in size. The Appenzeller is one of the smaller breeds in the Senenhund group of dogs, which, with mature males growing to around 60 centimeters tall. The Appenzeller has had a beautiful tricolor coat, and a stockier build in comparison to similar breeds like the Bernese Mountain Dog. Not a whole lot of info on the Appenzeller Dog. Up next we have the Arctic Fox, and this site managed to snap a photo of a beautiful, what looks to be either very small or baby, Arctic Fox with its eyes closed, probably dozing off for a little bit. This might be the last animal. Uh, for today's episode. So, let's see. The Arctic fox is a small white fox native to the Arctic regions of the Northern Hemisphere. The Arctic fox is commonly found in the colder parts of Canada, Alaska, Northern Asia, and Europe. The Arctic fox has extremely thick winter fur, which is apparently the warmest fur of all mammals. The thick fur of the arctic fox is definitely essential for the arctic fox to continue dwelling successfully in the harsh arctic terrain where temperatures regularly fall below yeah below minus 40 degrees celsius i've spent some time in like minus 30 degree temperature for you know half an hour at a time like everything else if you're properly um prepared for it you know, you'll be able to make it fine. But like for regular commuting, let's say you're taking a bus, you know, you're wearing just jeans. That's brutal. Just brutal. The Arctic fox tends to prey on lemmings, hares, reptiles, amphibians, 
and occasionally vulnerable seal pups that are not close to their herd. The arctic fox makes its den uh, far under the surface of the ground and can amazingly withstand temperatures of up to minus 50 degrees Celsius. As with many animals that inhabit the arctic regions, the fur of the arctic fox changes color to adapt to its surroundings accordingly. In the winter, the arctic fox has thick white fur, which allows the arctic fox to remain warm and camouflaged in its snowy surroundings. In the summer months, the fur of the arctic fox changes to a brown color as there the snow will have melted. This newly colored brown fur of the arctic fox allows the arctic fox to remain in inconspicuous as inconspicuous as possible whilst there is no snow in the arctic during the summer months. As one of the larger carnivores in the arctic circle, the arctic fox has few natural predators within its freezing environment. Polar bears, wolf packs, and humans are the only real predators of the adult arctic fox, along with large birds of prey such as snowy owls. There you go. Now we move on to what I'm uh, pretty sure is the last animal on today's episode. It is the arctic hare. The Arctic hare is found in the northern regions of the Arctic Circle, predominantly in Northern America, Europe, Greenland, and the North Pole. The Arctic hare has thick white fur, which allows it to continue inhabiting the regions successfully in warmth and camouflage, much like the Arctic fox. The Arctic hare is a vital component in the Arctic Circle food chain, being one of the few smaller mammals able to thrive in such a harsh environment. The arctic hare is therefore common prey for bigger animals of the arctic tundra such as arctic wolves, foxes, and polar bears. The arctic hare lives in groups of around 200 arctic hare individuals. These large groups of hare will often work together to achieve what is needed for their survival as the hares huddle together to conserve heat and to keep them warm. The arctic hare has long claws which helps the arctic hare when digging through icy and snowy conditions when the hare is searching for food or digging a den. Last little bit regarding the arctic hare. The arctic hare can achieve very fast speeds when the hare feels threatened. If the hare senses danger, it will stand on its hind legs and survey the area. The arctic hare is capable of taking off at very fast speeds, although it does not give anything specific um, speed, which I was hoping it could tell me, you know, could sprint 50 miles an hour or something like that. In either case, uh, there you have it. That was Animal Exploration Part 2. Um, there are a few animals with letter A. So what I might do for next episode is finish letter A and then move on to letter B. Um, again, it's not that important. I think that it's every single animal, but, you know, it's kind of learning, you know, different groups, and giving you facts and uh, tidbits that maybe you can use for uh, trivia night.
in either case, you can always reach me, give me questions, comments about this episode or the show in general, suggestions for future episodes by emailing hello at sleepandrelaxasmr.com. That's all for this episode. Thanks as always for listening and take care.